When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. To the NFL Mox Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooke Sauce. And as always, we're coming to you live from the always beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. And we've got a great show for you guys tonight. We will be finishing up our all 22 uh, cut ups and our all 22 little segment here. We'll be picking the defense. Uh, that's right, we'll give you our all defensive team uh, from this year's 2019 NFL draft class. But, folks, we're just a week away. That's right. One week from today, we will be announcing the very first overall pick in this year's 2019 NFL Draft. We've waited, and it's finally here. So, here's a little rundown of what we got planned for you guys uh, before we get into tonight's show. A little bit of a plan of what we've got uh, scheduled for you guys coming up this next week uh, here on the NFL Mox Podcast, starting uh, Thursday night. Uh, with the first round. I'll give you a full round-by-round recap podcast uh, that'll come out Friday morning recapping the first round. I'll give you another episode Saturday morning recapping the second and third rounds, and then we'll give you the full uh, draft and third day uh, recap there on Sunday. Um, Of course, that podcast will release, um, you know, around Sunday morning, so you guys can feel free to check that out on your lazy Sundays. So we'll be giving you three pods Back to back to back like it's crack, folks. We're going to line it up all seven rounds and blow them down like it's the 70s. Hey, yo. Uh, So that's next weekend. Uh, That's what we've got planned for you guys here on the NFL Mocks podcast. But uh, before we get into that, coming this Tuesday, that's right, Tuesday's episode, we will have our final NFL Mocks podcast mock draft with a panel of guests uh, from the NFL Mock staff. Uh, don't quite know who all will be joining us on that, but I can promise you right now, Sarah Bettinger will be here. Uh, shouts out to Sarah. Uh, just pumped out his third kid. Well, he didn't pump it out, but his wife did. Um, congratulations on that. Added another little girl uh, to the trio there of little Bettingers running around. So shout out to Sarah. Um, so there's the show news, guys. All right. A lot of content coming your way um, from me and the boys. Uh, so if you like what we got going on over here, uh, stay tuned because there's more coming, uh, you know, soon, 
you know, it's NFL draft time, baby. It's Pump it up, pump out the content as much as we can. On today's show, however, again, we'll be wrapping up our All-22 segment uh, with the defensive side of the ball. Then we'll get into some fan questions that were left on iTunes, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you got those questions in. We appreciate that. Again, if you want to leave a question, uh, what maybe your team should be doing or what I think or what we think of a uh, you know an NFL draft prospect, feel free to leave that uh, with a five-star review uh, in the iTunes review box there. Uh, or if you don't have iTunes, if you're on a droid, if you're listening, uh, listen to it, listening excuse me, to us via uh, Stitcher or whatever droid podcasting app you've got, uh, feel free to shoot those uh, questions over to us on Twitter at Brooks underscore Austin FS. So, uh, you know, that's what we've got planned for, you know, the week coming up and, of course, this show. And we're going to get right into that, uh, the All-22, the All-Defensive team from this year's draft. But before we do that, let's knock out the business. Like, subscribe, rate, and review. However, wherever you found this podcast, man, we'd appreciate uh, if you give us a little five-star rating right there and then maybe pump out a review and, again, maybe give us a, a draft question or whatever. That's how your boy gets paid we appreciate you guys for doing that all right so now that we got all the business handled we knocked all that out we gave you the show announcements we begged and pleaded for a a, a like subscribe rate and review uh directed you to the twitter page all of that kind of good stuff that the not so uh existent producer is feeding in my ear right now uh let's get right down uh to the all 22 uh on the defensive end this is how this will work uh we'll pick a traditional 4-3 defense so we will have the following uh, players picked. We'll take two defensive ends, obviously two interior defensive linemen, three linebackers, two corners, and two safeties. Pretty damn simple. So let's get right into it. And in typical NFL Mox podcast fashion, we will begin with the big boys up front, starting with the defensive end position. All right, so for the most part uh, here on the defensive side of the football, uh, we're pretty much going to be ranking uh, these guys, you know. So there's two defensive ends. I'll give you my number one and number two on my big board as they sit leading into the last week of the NFL draft process. So, again, we'll start with this defensive end position at defensive end number one. Uh, And, you know, man, sometimes in life the right decision is the easiest. And to me this is one of those cases Nick Bosa at his absolute worst, to me, is a 10-sack-a-year guy uh, that holds his own in the run game, right? He's not, he's not uh, at that rate. He's not going to be, you know, a, a perennial all-pro at his floor, right? His absolute worst, I think you're looking at 10 sacks a year uh, and a guy who can definitely hold up in the run game. At his very best, I truly believe Nick Bosa could turn out just like his brother and be a top-five edge player in the NFL, okay? I, I, he may have to kick his brother out, for that top five edge positions because there's only so many elite ones. Um, But nonetheless, I think he has the ceiling to do that. And again, the floor is really, really high. I don't think there's much of a bust potential here for uh, Nick Bosa. If there's any questions, comments, or concerns about Mr. Bosa, it would be just like his brother and for that for lack of, or for that matter, his entire family uh, there in the Bosa clan, uh, it's durability, right? Are you going to be able to stay on the field? Are you going to be healthy uh, and available at all times? Okay, okay. Um, but that's the only question, right? I will always lean more towards the safe prospect, and here's why. As we talked about a little bit during the all-offensive portion in this series, it's all about being able to go home to your wife and being able to tell her that you know absolutely no, you're not going to get fired, right? I mean, if you flop, 
on a on a defensive end number one pick, if you flop on what the 49ers are going to end up having right there at the number two pick, if you do that enough, uh, your ass will be sitting at home searching through uh, the newspaper, even though we don't have those anymore for new employment. Okay, to me, this is the uh, guy that most allows that to happen here, right? This is most allows a general manager and a and a scouting department to go home feeling safe. Uh, that they, you know, got a guy who's going to be solid uh, for the next 10 to, you know, 10 to 12 years. 15 is a lot for the defensive end position unless you're uh, Julius Peppers. But nonetheless, that's who I've got in my defensive end one position. And I think he's head and shoulders. Maybe not a full head and a shoulder, maybe up to mid-ear of the head above the rest of the defensive ends in this class. But let's move on to defensive end number two. And again, this is where things get really hairy for me, right? I just told you that Nick Bosa's kind of cemented himself, in my mind at least, as defensive end number one or edge rusher number one. Uh, Again, defensive end number two, this is the spot where it gets kind of hairy. This could be a collection of guys from whether it's Brian Burns, Josh Allen, or, you know, Montez Sweat, who's more likely here for most, uh, to hell, even Cleveland Farrell. If you love what he put on tape for three years there at Clemson, he could even be your defensive end number two, and I won't fight you, but here's the deal. I'm going to take Josh Allen, and here's why. Let's say he never develops a counter move, right? Let's say he continues to try and simply run around tackles and only use his speed at the next level. Um, by the way, it's, this is something, you know, running around guys is something he did at an extremely high rate in college, right? He had 17 sacks last season alone. So this is a guy who can absolutely get off the ball and run around people, um, but, you know, not no inside counter move, right? Once, his, once hands are locked on him, uh, he's pretty much stayed uh, the play's over for him, right? I mean, it's not that he's going to quit on the play. It's just that he hasn't quite developed a secondary pass rush move um, outside of just being able to, you know, out-athlete people uh, at the collegiate level. But, again, he did it at an extremely high level, 17 sacks last season. We just told you that. But even, again, even if he can't learn to shed blocks uh, at the next level, then in that case – he's still more than capable of becoming an off-the-ball linebacker. So if you're a 4-3 football team, which we're drafting for right now, you're going to give him his shot at playing uh, defensive end there, right? But if you're a 3-4 football team, okay, this is a guy who will absolutely make an impact as a stand-up outside linebacker because he can play in space. We saw him do it all the time there at Kentucky. So again, if he flops, meaning he'll never be able to be an elite pass rusher at the next level, he will be an above average to an elite outside linebacker if he has to pick his hand up and get out of the dirt. Um, you know, it's not a guy who we saw put his hand in the ground a lot in college there at Kentucky because they did run uh, a 3-4, sometimes even looked, hell, like a 3-5 there at Kentucky. So, um, you know, a very versatile prospect, if you will, here. Um, But again, I'm not going to fight you if you tell me Brian Burns is your number two defensive end. I'm not going to fight you if you think Montez Sweat has got the most upside here and the combine locked you in for him being defensive end number two. Um, What I am going to fight you, though, is if you tell me any of these handful of guys is, you know, insurmountably better than Nick Bosa. um, At that point, you and I can have an argument, okay? And I'm open to arguments at all times. If you guys want to catch me on Twitter, again, that's Brooks underscore Austin. FS, hop in those minchies, folks. Uh, let's get a little argument going on. I like. We won't even call it an argument. We'll call it an educated discussion between two, um, you know, energized 
young people. That's what we'll call it. Um, let's kick inside now to those bigger guys on that defensive line. Let's get into these interior defensive linemen. We'll start with defensive tackle number one. And look, I know everyone, and I mean everyone, wants Quentin Williams here, and they love him, and I do too. He's a beast. I get it. But I love me some Ed Oliver. And it's all about me, right? It's the NFL Mocks, Mocks podcast featuring me. Um, just kidding. Uh, again, we're, we're going to have all of the NFL Mocks guys. Not all of them. But we're going to have a, a litany of guys on the panel to do that mock draft uh, coming up this next week. But um, anyways, I've been pounding the desk, literally, about Ed Oliver since my very first assignment here with NFL Mocks. So am I a little biased? Maybe. Just a tad bit. But let me tell you something. There are very few, if any, defensive tackles I've seen on film play with this kind of effort and intensity that Ed Oliver plays with. This is a guy that constantly took on double teams, sometimes triple teams there at Houston. And for anyone who's faced that type of attention on the defensive line, uh, you know it's hard to play with that type of juice um, in games like that, man. You're getting so much attention, and by the time you finally break free, it feels like the ball's already downfield because teams are literally scheming and running away from you. Um, you know, it's hard. Again, hard, really, really hard to play with that kind of intensity and that kind of effort, and Ed Oliver did it snap in, snap out there at Houston, even if uh, he protected his investment and in sitting out those last handful of games. I don't give a damn about it, um, and you shouldn't either, okay? When we started this draft process last year, preparing for this class right here, this 2019 draft class, Ed Oliver was on top of everyone's board, and I don't believe that he's truly fallen that far. I think it's all smoke. I think it's all bull crap. This will be a top 10 draft pick. If he's not, some people in the drafting world are drastically wrong, and it won't be me. I'm telling you right now, it couldn't be me. I'm not going to miss on Ed Oliver like some of these numbnuts. Dead, uh, excuse me, defensive tackle number two, it's Quentin Williams, right? It's easy. If he wasn't going to be number one, he's going to be number two on my list. I shouldn't call these guys defensive tackle one and defensive tackle two. They should just be DT 1A and DT 1B. Uh, similar to our debate over, you know, who's my number one center on the all-offensive list. Uh, again, if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. That's a shameless plug. Uh, between Jenkins, Elgin Jenkins out of um, Mississippi State and uh, Garrett Bradbury there out of NC State, okay? I know both of those players are going to be, you know, 12, 15-year pros at the center position, just like I know both of these guys uh, in Ed Oliver and Quentin Williams are going to fight for perennial Pro Bowls uh, there at the in the NFL. I just like Oliver a bit more. So I've got him my DT number one, and you guys can hold me to that. We'll see how this plays out. Um, in the near future. I mean, not necessarily the near future, but this time next year, I can promise you I'll do a recap of uh, some of my drafting grades uh, if they're all good. And you know what? If they're all crap, they're all, you know, dookie, well, I'm not going to bring them to you because i got to hide the shit. No, I'm just kidding. I like, to, uh, I like to let you know where I'm right and where I'm wrong here on the NFL Marks Podcast. It's all about, you know, just bringing the most honest uh, and true evaluation I can uh, to these things because it is my opinion. None of this is fact. Um, it's an educated opinion, nonetheless. I do put a, a good majority bulk uh, uh, hours and work into this kind of stuff, um, and I, I have a natural eye for talent. I played football for a long time, but that doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to hit everyone, right? Um, even the best uh, NFL GMs and scouts may, I, I mean the absolute best, may have a 50-50 uh, hit rate to miss rate um, even at that 
uh, most of these guys are hitting at about 35%. So um, if we can just do about 45 to 50% here on the NFL Mocks podcast, it's something to brag about, right? Um, that's enough of the big skill and enough of the rambling. Uh, let's get on to these linebackers. And this is a really, really easy race to me, right, um, in terms of the two leaders, right? If there were two horses uh, in the front of this race, um, they're clear and far and away above the rest of the pack. My linebacker number one, uh, it's Devin White. This is a former running back in high school, uh, an extremely, extremely explosive athlete that takes incredible angles to the ball carrier. Uh, He's more than ready to play sideline to sideline in the NFL. Uh, Top-notch speed there, obviously, with his 4-4-2 at the combine. And um, to me, man, he's as surefire of a top-five pick as you could possibly get in this draft. I cannot and I repeat, cannot imagine that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would allow him to slide past the fifth pick overall, let alone the Raiders. Look, if Quentin Williams is off the board at number four, I genuinely think the Oakland Raiders will take a long, stern look at Devin White, and I can't believe they'd come away with anything but love for this type of player. He's a fairly instinctive player um, for a guy who not only was coming off of playing running back in high school, but it's extremely rare for a guy that's probably been the best athlete on any field he's ever played on his entire life. Oftentimes, those guys don't necessarily need the cerebral portion of the game, um, but, you know, he has it. I see him taking, again, really good angles. Um, I think he clarifies and, and, and reads schemes in the run games. A run game fairly well. There was a couple times he got turned around against Alabama, but I can promise you right now, Nick Saban and his football staff was sitting in the war room trying to figure out a way to confuse Devin White and Devin White only. He's the best player um, on the football field there at LSU outside of Mr. Delpit maybe um, that we'll see in next year's draft class, spoiler alert. Um, But nonetheless, Nick Saban's always going to game plan and take away what you do best, similar to what Belichick does here in the NFL. Um, But, again, I think there's a lot of room to grow here uh, with this prospect, and that's the craziest thing to me. Again, a guy who's just freshly into playing the linebacker position, only been there for three seasons now, three full seasons there at LSU, and, uh, you know, he's he's played great, right? He's going to be the number one linebacker off the board, and – you know, the, the ceiling's incredibly high. Still got room to grow, which is rare for a top five uh, or, you know, consensus top ten pick if you want to be on the safer side there. And that takes us to our linebacker number two. Uh, and, again, this is easy, right? I told you it's a two-man race at the very beginning. You ought to know who number two is going to be. It's Devin Bush out of Michigan. Um, this is similar to the defensive tackle class. Uh, the number one and number two spots have been locked up for quite some time here uh, in terms of the NFL draft world uh, and even NFL draft Twitter. I don't think there's a single uh, inside linebacker that people, you know, whether you want to call Devin Bush number one and go with the hot take or uh, take Devin White at number one as I did and put Bush at number two, um, it's it's a clear uh, head and shoulders. Again, we'll use that term. Uh, Light years. These two are light years. We'll go to a different term. These two are light years ahead of their competition at the linebacker position. But let's give you the rundown on Devin Bush. Um, You know, if he has one thing over the head of Devin White, I think he's the player with the higher floor, in my opinion, right? You kind of know what you're going to get with this guy. He is what he is at this point, which is a starting caliber linebacker in the NFL. Nothing short of that at all. And this is a dude 
who will absolutely light your ass up and bring the hips when he tackles, man, an exceptional tackler, and he's great in the run game, right? If he's a good tackler, he's going to be great in the run game, um, but he's going to have to remain inside the box, um, inside those tackles uh, pretty much at all times at the next level to me. I don't see a lot of ball skills from Mr. Devin White, or excuse me, Mr. Devin Bush. This isn't Roquan Smith. This isn't Devin White. This, if, if there ever was, uh, you know, a downhill linebacker, that uh, I would be t- absolutely terrified to meet in the hole. It's Devin Bush, man. This guy comes with anger and comes with intensity, and he's really polished coming out of Michigan. And, and to me, he was the best defensive player on that football team this past year. Yeah, that's right, Rashawn Gary. Yes, that's right, Chase Winovich. Um, I truly believe Devin Bush was the heart and soul of that football team. And watching that number 10 with the dreads run around the football field there in Michigan was about the only thing I enjoyed of Wolverines football uh, the last couple of years. All right, so we'll get into our linebacker number three, and this is where we've had you on the edge of your seats, right? You're just waiting and waiting and waiting to see what we're going to do. Who's linebacker number three, Brooks? Um, It's Blake Cashman. Sound the bias alarm. I repeat, sound the bias alarm. If you've been listening, you know that me and this former high school corner are pretty much best friends at this point. And the fact that he can rock the hell out of some earrings makes me way too jealous at this point in 2019, honestly. But listen, this is a two-man race at the linebacker position. We've told you that. So whoever it is, whether it's Matt Miller, whether it's Daniel Jeremiah, whether it's Mel Kuyper, or whether it's Todd, 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 Todd McShay, okay, we all have our biases. I'm just admitting to them publicly. I bet, you know, a little sidebar here, I bet when you turned on this NFL Mox podcast, you did not think you were going to get an attempted Mel Kuyper impersonation, but you just got it. And don't ask me to give you any more because all I've got is the dot, 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 dot. That's all i got. That's all I can do. Um, and the only reason I can do that is because I watched Frank Caliendo do that impersonation a thousand times. Um, but nonetheless, Cashman is my number three linebacker because I truly believe without the shoulder issues this past season, um, by the way, he played or ended up having uh, surgery on both of them, um, but yet didn't miss a single football game last year, uh, which is kind of insane. Um, If it weren't for those injuries, if it weren't for the double surgeries on both shoulders, um, this is a day two lock, right? This is a a second to third round linebacker, probably like I have him, the third one off the board, uh, because he is the modern day linebacker, a 4-5 flat in the 40, former DB with exceptional ball skills. Uh, You know, even though he tends to run around blockers rather than through him he's quick enough and has enough game speed to do so he is Kiko Alonso I know it's too easy to compare white uh linebackers to white linebackers but I didn't give Joe Schobert did I no I gave him Kiko Alonso again another slightly undersized linebacker um and say what you want about Kiko Alonso that guy's going to be a decade-long pro um you know if the concussions don't get to him um so that's my comp for Blake Cashman, man, Kiko Alonso. And if you can get that guy in the third, early fourth round, I mean, shit, you, you knocked it out of the park, right? I mean, Kiko Alonso is going to give you 110, 115 tackles a season, and so will Blake Cashman. He's going to be all over the field, and if he doesn't start for you at the linebacker position, he's going to make a drastic impact in the special teams unit, as he did there in Minnesota, and that's how he earned his uh, scholarship there, man. Former walk-on. This is a guy I love. We love great backstories here at the NFL Mox Podcast, and we try to dig them out when we have these guys on here as guests. Um, but, you know, part of that story is what, what makes you 
a, a great pro, man. Having that chip on your shoulder of knowing that literally no one, no one wanted you coming out of high school. And then uh, you had to fight and call your way to even earn playing time and earn scholarship money there at college. Um, and, and now guess what? You're going to be ready to go in and earn again there at the NFL level. And I love Blake Cashman, again. But a sound the bias alarm, we told you. Look, again, we're, we're always going to be honest here on the NFL Mox Podcast. We've got some biases. Uh, we're going to lay them out and let you know. That way we're not just out here feeding you bull crap, right? All right, so enough talk about those guys down in the box. Let's get into the real stars, man. The defensive backs starting at corner. My cornerback number one, Byron Murphy out of Washington. Look, you're going to see a common theme here for me in terms of cornerbacks in this draft class. My top two corners are the two guys that showed me on tape that they are starting NFL caliber defensive backs. Both of them tested horribly. Both of these guys, my quarterback one and quarterback two, both of them tested horribly. But this is the one position to me that is the hardest to evaluate, not just because I played offensive line in college, not just because I'm not fully in-depth in the schematics of all, you know, cover, buzz cover six. I don't know what that means. Actually, I do know what it means. I know the strong side safety rolls down. Anyways, it flips it into half on one side and, and, and thirds on the other. I, I can do all that. We can lay all that out for you. But to me, man, you turn the tape on, it is what it is, okay? Um, why is it so hard to evaluate corner play out of college to me? Everyone's running co- cover three press bail. Everyone. The Seattle Seahawks brought it to the NFL a couple years back, starting in about 2011, and now all of these college football programs are doing it. They're playing single high safety. They're telling their corners to bump at the line of scrimmage and then immediately get out and play cover three high. I mean, that's what everyone's doing. So the idea of a man-to-man press corner um, is very, very rare. You're not going to see a whole lot of film of these guys doing that. But to me, what I see in Murphy, Byron Murphy out of Washington, is a guy who has the most fluid hips of any player in this draft. That's Jawan Taylor included. How about that offensive line reference here in hip mobility? Um, And he put down the best college tape pro football focus has seen in almost a decade. My favorite tidbit, however, about Byron Murphy uh, is this one right here. He was redshirted as a true freshman uh, despite being the highest-ranked recruit of his class there to Washington. Uh, I believe he was the 18th-ranked uh, corner or you know, yeah, corner in all of high school football coming out, um, and he got redshirted there as a true freshman. Um, it might have been a weight thing, but nonetheless, he was definitely of caliber to start there in Washington. How does he respond? You know, a big, a big-time recruit right that almost expects – to start, especially when you've got offers from every Pac-12 school you could possibly imagine. Uh, Washington very rarely gets that type of player without promising early playing time, right? So he gets there, gets redshirted. How does he respond? He won scout team player of the year. That right there is a dude who absolutely loves to put the work in, right? I mean, again, really, really hard. You tell a 17, 18-year-old kid, uh, when you're recruiting him, you tell him everything you want him to hear, right? You want him to hear that he's going to start early. You want him to hear that he's going to get playing time. You want him to hear that y'all are going to do everything to, you know, force the schemes and the schematics to his best advantage. You want the mom and dad want to know that their son's going to be taken care of and turned into a man and all those kind of recruiting pitches. But the last thing you want to hear as the number 18 corner in all of high school football is that you're going to get redshirted. And he goes in there and answers more than answers 
comes out, wins scout team player of the year. And to me, man, that speaks a lot about Byron Murphy's character and about his work ethic and what he might be able to do at the next level. Again, man, it's the intangibles, right? All these guys on this list, just like we told you with the offensive list, all of these guys that are, you know, have enough ability to be mentioned on an all-defensive uh, team from this draft class, they're all talented. Um, it's the intangibles. They're going to separate them at the next level. Let's move in to our cornerback number two. I've got DeAndre Baker, the real bake show, out of the University of Georgia. And again, man, I told you there's a common theme here at the cornerback position. Don't get me wrong. I do value the combine to some extent, um, but I just don't put enough stock in it to completely ruin a guy for me. A 466 or whatever it was, a 458, 461, whatever it was from DeAndre Baker, you can obviously tell how much I care about it. Um, to me, I'm always going to lean on the film more and then come back and check the uh, combine times. But you know, unless it's some type of major outlier like what Jalen Ferguson did in his three-cone and throughout his entire process nonetheless. Um, and we're talking about a guy who led the, has the career record for sacks in all of college football. But back to DeAndre Baker, um, if Byron Murphy had a bad combine, DeAndre Baker had an atrocious combine. Um, but again, I don't, I don't truly care that much. This is a guy who hasn't allowed a touchdown since the fall of 2017. You want to know why I don't care what he ran in the 40? That's why right there. In the SEC, against all of those talented football players, he hasn't allowed a touchdown since the fall of 2017. And you talk about a cornerback that can absolutely walk down and play press man, good luck getting off the ball against DeAndre Baker. He's the only one of the very few cornerbacks in this class that we saw be put in man-to-man press coverage um, scenarios on a constant game-to-game basis there at the University of Georgia. They believe in press man coverage down here in the fine state of Georgia, and the Georgia Bulldogs do so really, really well. I don't know if they're going to continue to do so now with the loss of DeAndre Baker to the draft, um, you know, and you don't you don't need to worry about the s- smaller frame from this guy. Only about five eleven, two hundred six. Um, he completely competes his butt off, and that's so important at the NFL level. Um, there's one name you'll notice I didn't say. I know we only have two options here, um, but for most people, one of the names I missed, or the name I missed, is a consensus top two corner in this draft, um, and it's Greedy Williams. Uh, and and here's my take on Greedy Williams. I, I, I'll sum it up real quick for you with a little bit of analogy, okay? So there's your common allergies, right? You got your pollens, uh, animal fur might get you, make you sneeze up a little bit. And then there's your, you know, if I get near this stuff, I'll die type of allergies. We're talking major peanut allergies, shut your whole damn throat up. We're, we're, we're talking about some people can even die from the smallest of bee stings, right? So you kind of got your mild allergies and you've got your major al- allergies, right? Well, Greedy Williams looks at tackling like, if I ever get near that shit, I'll die type of allergy, okay? And I just can't sign off on that type of football player, not even at the corner position. I don't care if he runs fast, okay? I knew you would go sub 4-4. I knew you would maybe even go sub 4-3, which you did there at the NFL Combine. I knew you could run in a straight line. What I didn't know uh, is whether or not you, you had the will or even want to to tackle at the NFL level. And don't get it twisted, folks. As soon as NFL offensive coordinators see Greedy Williams on the field, especially in a boundary scenario, playing to the short side of the field, they will be running halfback stretch at him. 
they will be running halfback toss at him. Hell, they might even let him run free. Like, let's say, I don't know, I don't know where he's going to get drafted, but let's say he faces Leonard Fournette week one or another big bruising back, pick one out of the lit, uh, litany. Okay, let's say he faces Leonard Fournette week one, okay? Let's say um, the wide receiver out there, let's say Westbrook, D.D. Westbrook just lets the uh, the cornerback Greedy Williams go. Um, do you really think Greedy's going to run in there and stick his nose into Leonard Fournette? I don't think so, okay? Um, and again, the, the obvious kickback here is for people to come at me talking about, well, Deion Sanders never tackled. Um, don't come at me with that because to me that's basically saying – well, he better cover like Deion Sanders, right? If you're going to tell me Deion Sanders didn't tackle, well, if you're not going to tackle, you better cover like Deion. And I'm here to tell you right now, ain't nobody, ain't nobody ever covered like Deion and no one ever will, okay? So that's just not the comp, man. You're leaving a guy very, very little room for error if you're saying, well, he covers like Dion. Well, he don't tackle like Dion, or you know, excuse me, he don't tackle at all. I mean, Dion would at least go in there. I'm pretty sure Dion Sanders invented the cornerback shoestring tackle, where I'm just going to dive at your toes. Um, but nonetheless, I just I can't I can't sign up for a football player that doesn't want to tackle. It's literally the first thing they teach you in pee wee football. Okay, um, I don't care if you run a four three. I just said that. Um, corners are cool and all, but did anyone see? What those safeties got paid this offseason, yowzers. Let's talk some safeties, some guys that might be getting some of that big-time Landon Collins money, some of that $14.2 million a year money, some of that Earl Thomas money, right? Um, this is the only defensive position uh, here that I actually split a little bit differently than just ranking them, okay? Here's why. I chose uh, my cover one, that's the center field deep safety type safety, and then I chose what I call my thumper, which is what everyone else, uh, you know, every other yahoo with a microphone is calling that in-the-box safety. They'll call it an in-the-box safety. I'll call it a thumper because that's what they do. They come downhill and they thump your ass. Um, so we'll start with our deep safety here, our cover one, our center fielder, right, our guy that's going to make plays in the passing game um, and might offer some other things. Uh, there in the passing game as well. Uh, and, and here's my guy, Nasir Adderley out of Delaware. He's more than ready to make the leap from D1AA to the big time. He's really more of a do-it-all safety, or excuse me, do yeah, he's more of the do-it-all type of safety, or at least he was while he was playing at Delaware. Uh, most think, however, that he will still be able to have fluidity uh, in terms of positional value at the next level. He really can. He'll be able to guard guys in the slot, do all that kind of stuff. Uh, the one thing about Adderley, the scouts question is his size. At barely six foot, 200 pounds, some think he may have to be more of a uh, LaMarcus Joyner uh, type player at the next level, you know, there in the box covering the slot. Um, not necessarily in the box, but over the top of the slot receiver, um, playing more of a free safety. Um, the good news is he's more than capable of doing pretty much anything you ask him to do. If you want him to roll down and play over the slot receiver, hell. If you even want him to play corner, which he started doing there at Delaware, um, I think, I, I, as a matter of fact, I don't think. I know he's probably going to be able to do it at the NFL level, okay? So that's my, uh, you know, we'll call it impact passing, impact the passing game safety is what we'll call Nasir Adderley there or, you know, whatever, the traditional cover one safety or uh, the traditional deep safety, whatever you want to call him, Nasir Adderley is my guy here. And then we'll give you my thumper, right? John Abrams. Jonathan Abrams is my thumper. And remember the name because he's going to have some highlight hits 
next season in the NFL. As Mello from Stick to Football told us, uh, this guy literally shut down the Mississippi State spring game last year. Shut it down. They, they just said, screw it, we're going home. He decapitated a teammate, sacrificed that man's soul right there in Starkville, Mississippi, not to mention the handful of targeting penalties he was assessed throughout his career there at Mississippi State. This guy literally doesn't care who you are. I'm pretty sure if his mama was playing receiver uh, from Ole Miss or whoever was, Alabama, uh, if his mama come across the middle of the field, John Abrams going to knock mama out. I mean, that's just the truth. I love the physicality and fire this guy plays with on the football field, and I've said it from the beginning. When you turn on that Mississippi State film from this past football season, there's one guy that stands out and one guy alone to me, and it isn't Jeffrey Simmons, and it's not Montez Sweat. It's the safety that brings a body bag with him at all times. John Abrams, I love him. The Keanu Neal, excuse me, the Keanu. Sometimes I roll through words a little too fast, man. The Keanu Neal comparison is just too easy, but it really is the right one, right? Two guys that will absolutely light your ass up um, and, you know, they're, never, they're not really going to lead the league in picks or, you know, never really will never lead the league in picks because they're not concerned in intercepting the football. They're concerned with separating your head from your shoulders, okay? That's what their main concern is, and I'm okay with that. Football's still a semi-violent game. You know, we got to aim more for the body at the next level, maybe keep our head up, not maybe uh, stay handing out checks to Roger Goodell and the NFL staff for, you know, um, what do you call it, bad hits or whatever they call it nowadays. Um, but nonetheless, I love me some John Abrams. He is my thumper in this draft, uh, or as the rest of the yahoos call it, that in-the-box safety. Uh, so there's our complete all 22, my best players at each position. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you want to refresh your memory on the offensive portion of those picks, feel free to check out that episode on the podcast channel. Um, it's probably it's not the last episode, but it's the episode before last. So if you see the Blake Cashman interview, just go down one more episode. Um, now that that's over with, let's hit up some fan questions and call it a night. How's that sound? Um, starting with number one, and again, man, if you guys want to leave these fan questions, leave a rating and review, five-star ratings only, and uh, leave your question there in the review. Um, instead of telling me, hey, podcast is dope, why don't you ask a question like Coach J underscore 92 did um, there. And, again, if you don't have iTunes, hit us up on Twitter, Brooks underscore fans, or excuse me, Brooks underscore Austin FS, and we'll be more than happy to get to that one. This one comes from the iTunes review section, and, again, it is Coach J underscore 92. He asks, what do you think my Vikings need to do in the draft to come out with a good grade? Man, this is something we talked to Jordan Reed a little bit about, um, and here's the deal. You've got a first, a second, a third, a fourth, Two sixth, no, no fifth round pick, and two sevens, okay? And with an offensive line at a premium in this draft, I think it's safe to say that the Vikings absolutely have to, and I mean have to, take a shot on bettering their offensive line early and often in this draft. Um, and I also know that no Vikings fan on earth should rest easy at night knowing Dalvin Cook is your RB1 uh, and pretty much your only uh decent running back in the stable there uh, in Minnesota. So maybe taking a look there in the late rounds at running back. And this is an extremely deep running back class. I I mean, I think it's – some people think it's top-heavy with Josh Jacobs. I kind of lump them all in together, man. I think you can get a really, really talented football player, uh, you know, round four, 
round well you don't have a five a fifth round pick I just told you that uh, a round four or you know one of those two sixth round picks there uh you know Elijah Holyfield's not a bad football player and I almost can guarantee he will probably be around there in the sixth round so a guy like that would be a good addition to your football team uh maybe an early down red zone back and then we can get Dalvin Cook some touches in the passing game uh which he did really well in college, and we haven't really seen much of it there in Minnesota, um, and, and, and most of that's because he's been injury prone. But nonetheless, I think you've got to shore up the offensive line, right? Um, you've got to protect Kirk Cousins as much as possible, take as many stabs at the offensive line spots as you can in those first three picks in that first, second, and third round um, because, again, I think they're at a premium there. Um, I don't think there's going to be much left uh, of good guard play and good tackle play um, there in the later rounds on day three of this draft. So that's my answer for you there, Coach J underscore 92, in regards to your Minnesota Vikings. We'll hit on to our next one. Chaz Crawford 02 asks, what position group is the deepest in this draft and vice versa? So Chaz, to me, man, the deepest position group in this uh, draft has to be the defensive line, right? Okay, there's 10 to 12 defensive linemen, just, um, you know, Defensive ends and D tackles, 10 to 12 of them, that will most likely go in the first round this year. So that's my deepest pick. And even a guy like Colin Saunders, um, you know, out of, I think, Eastern Illinois. I should know that off the top of my head, but there's so many Illinois. There's a Northern, a Western, a, an Eastern. Um, but nonetheless, he's a high school kid. He'll be available there, third, fourth round. Um, so I think it's a really, really deep draft there uh, at the defensive line position. A lot of sleepers, hell, even Isaiah Bugs. Right, a three-year starter out of Alabama here, an SEC guy that made impactful plays for a national championship caliber football team. He's getting fifth to sixth round grades, okay? So a really, really deep class in terms of defensive linemen. As for the thinnest group in this draft class, we just got done talking about it, man. I think it's got to be interior offensive line in speci- or specifically speaking, okay? There's a handful of guys that play the tackle position that may be able to you know, bump in uh, to guard, but as of right now, entering the draft, if you were to say everyone that played tackle in college is going to play tackle in the pros, that leaves very, very little amounts of premium guard play. And uh, I mean, shit, the best one you can come to name right now is Chris, Chris Lindstrom, who I've told you here on the NFL Mox podcast, I'm not incredibly high on. I think he's a, a scheme fit offensive guard, um, which that shouldn't be the case, man. They don't really make those in the NFL, man. You either can play guard or you can't. It's not, hey, I can play guard in this system. I can't play guard in that system. Nah, bro. Systems change. Players don't. You better be able to ball uh, no matter what. So there's my answer for you, Chaz. Deepest class, got to be the defensive line. Thinnest class, flip it over. It's the interior offensive lineman, man. Uh, again, we've got a handful of tackles that may kick in. Dalton Reisner might end up playing center, friend of the show, um, you know, a uh, Titus Howard out of Alabama State may not be able to stay at right tackle. Cody Ford probably won't be able to stay at tackle because I think he's an all-pro guard. Hell, even Jonah Williams may have to kick inside. All of those are options, but, again, if we were to take it as its pure face value, I think the guard interior offensive line position is the thinnest. Let's go to number three. We got Kuki Kim, 1357. He asked, what do the Titans – uh, you know, yeah, what do the Titans do, and are they in no man's land at 19? Sorry, I read that wrong. Look, at 19 maybe seem like a bad spot, but I'm a firm believer that one of, you know, these three players, I'll give you a couple options here, could possibly fall to the 19th overall pick. 
Um, I think TJ Hawkinson's off the board there at 19, but Noah Fant can more than welcome or more than likely be available there. Um, a guy like DK Metcalf may fall. Um, there's rumors that, you know, Twitter draft, uh, you know, NFL draft Twitter is a lot higher on DK Metcalf than the actual scouts are. Um, which, you know, I, I totally agree. We've been telling you since day one. I think we opened the NFL Mox podcast with our positional rankings, and I told you, A.J. Brown, I had him sitting atop the board there. Uh, for all of those reasons we've laid out in previous episodes, feel free to check those out. So I think either a Noah Fant could be available, a D.K. Metcalf could be available. Um, you know, two offensive weapons that are uh, you're in dire need of. You can't keep relying on Dwayne Casey there at the tight end position. Um, as we saw last year, he's getting a little older, uh, popped an Achilles week one. So that kind of stuff happens when you get older into your career or, you know, deeper into your career. Um, and on the defensive end, I think a guy like Cleveland Farrell will definitely be available at the 19th overall pick. Um, you know, he's probably in that bottom barrel of first-round caliber defensive ends and edge rushers, um, probably fifth and sixth on most big boards. Um but nonetheless, a really, really good football player. All three of those positions, wide receiver, tight end, and defensive end, uh, someone to pair with Mr. Landry out of Boston College there. Um, you know, that's what you got to do. Those are your positions and players, um, you know, that are positions of need. And uh, these are three players that can fill that. So take the best player available in one of those three positions and move on. Um, and if all three tight ends, which, God, I hope they're not, if all three tight ends are drafted at 19, man, it's just not your damn day, uh, Mike Vrabel. Pack it in and go home. All right, number four, we got Joey Bag of Donuts. How about that Twitter name? He asks Steelers, what the hell? Ah, I like it, man. People are catching on to the questions formatting. Uh, well, Joey Bags. Uh, they could definitely use some defensive help at every position, and I mean every position, except for maybe interior defensive line um, and offensive line. I guess you could call safety last year because they took the uh, Edmonds kid, um, but obviously we see how that panned out. Um, and offensive line is pretty much well wrapped up, okay, so you don't need that. Um, probably got one of the best overall offensive lines in all of NFL football. So you probably – I mean, you got to take an offensive lineman every year just because um, – just to not be the Miami Dolphins, which are a laughing stock, or at least they were before Brian Flores got there. Look, guys, you build it inside out. We've been telling you that on NFL Mocks Podcast. And to go an entire NFL draft without taking a shot at an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, fired, 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 fired. Can't happen. Okay, um, so back to this Pittsburgh Steelers question. Um, I think it's very, very possible that the Steelers may have their pick of best corner available, uh, meaning I, I think the overall corner value has kind of diminished uh, the later and closer we get to the NFL draft. And this could be a spot right here at number 20 where we see the first one off the board. I, I really, truly think the Steelers can kind of spark a run on corners here. Um, I, I, the hundreds of NFL mock drafts I've done, uh, you know, corners really haven't hit any earlier than – you know, 14, 15. I know my very first uh, kind of mock draft I put back all the way, you know, six months back, I had DeAndre Baker going 10 to the Denver Broncos, but um, I think we're going to see something totally different there from the Broncos at that spot. But nonetheless, let's get on to our last question. Um, I hope I answered that for you, Joey Banks. I think you can uh, take a defensive player at any position other than intensive or interior defensive line, and I think you'll be happy um, but, again, I think you're going to start the run there in Pittsburgh at the corner position and taking those guys off the board. Um, let's move on to our last question of the night, and then we'll call it a night. Uh, Jared Brown underscore asked, assuming the 49ers stay at two and take Nick Bosa, 
what should they do with the 34th pick at the top of round two? All right, it's a very, very good question, Mr. Jared. Uh, there's one obvious answer to me, and uh, you got to get another offensive weapon, right? So whether it's Nikhil Harry, Debo Samuel, or Paris Campbell, or did I say that right? <laughs> yeah, Nikhil Harry, Debo Samuel, Paris Campbell, or Ari J. Brown. I probably should have spaced those out a little bit. The Samuel and the Campbell uh, got me a little twisted. Even a professional broadcaster such as myself has problems with some of these tongue twisters, man. Um, but anyways, whatever available wide receiver is here uh, and is still left in the stable, I know Kyle Shanahan will be able to make and do damage with him. So for that reason, take the best wide receiver available there at the top of the second round, man, and call it a day. And we will call it a day. We appreciate you guys for listening to us here on the NFL Mocks Podcast. Please stay tuned. Uh, we will have that uh, mock draft Monday, if you will, set up for you guys and release Tuesday morning. Uh, we'll have a couple of NFLmocks.com uh, analysts come join us for that, and we'll have a pretty fun uh, first-round mock there. And then next week, man, we kick it off. It's all set and ready to go, the NFL draft. And, again, we'll have recaps for you round by round uh, every day coming out the next morning. So Thursday night, we have the first round, obviously. So that means Friday morning, I'll be staying up late as hell Thursday night, giving you my take on the first round. And then we'll do the same thing. We'll repeat, rinse, repeat uh, the next day with rounds two through three on Friday. That means Saturday morning, I'll have my review podcast for you. So you can listen to that before the last day breaks out. And then Sunday, we'll get you the full recap of the full draft and try to beat everyone to the grades, man. That's what it's all about, beating everyone to the punch here in the media world. We appreciate you guys for listening. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit that rate, hit that review. Tell your friends, man. We appreciate you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.